0: Hello everyone, I am Manny
1: and I'm Wyo. Welcome back to the King Buffet podcast. Happy new season, Manny.
0: Happy new season with our arbitrary season number and schedule. Hey, we could have had 11 episode seasons and
1: it's a designer episode (laughs) for a designer podcast for a designer
0: relationship that's perfect that pretty much relieves <laughs> us of any responsibility to be organized or consistent yeah perfect
1: it's mm-hmm. this way cuz we can so there
0: good it- <laughs> but but tactically we set out to do 20 episodes per season
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we're in season 3, three. holy cow mm-hmm. that's neat i mean that was I don't want to brag or anything, but that was The Simpsons' best season. (laughs) Actually, it was season four. I don't know. That's another podcast. I'm sure we can (laughs) pervert characters of other comics. Because people totally care about The Simpsons in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. so dated. Well, we are still knocking these out. We're in Colorado still. Because we're just getting way ahead.
1: But we heard there's a huge snow fall forecasted. So
0: in about a week, so we're definitely
1: running for the planes. No, we're
0: gone by then for sure. (laughs) We're not sticking around for thirty inches of snow.
1: I don't know. Powder might be tempting.
0: Mm, No, (laughs) not as tempting as a warm beach.
1: Mm, Now you're talking.
0: So this episode is going to be about something that everyone in the BDSM community is familiar with, but if you're not part of the community, there's a good chance you've never heard of it. Um, one, because it's something that takes place in the BDSM world, but number two, it is something that is rarely covered in movies right? and popular media. So when you see a movie, you don't see this part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, on one side of the BDSM scene or relationship is negotiation, right? and the other side is...
1: Aftercare. Aftercare. And I would like to introduce the idea that vanilla couples should have aftercare too. So if you haven't heard of it, take a listen and see if it's something that you might want to incorporate. Into your sex life, whether you decide you're kinky or not.
0: It doesn't mean it's necessary if you're vanilla, but it certainly could make the sexual experience better. Definitely. Even to the point where if your motives are, I wish my wife wanted sex more, well, this is a way of making her feel even better about the thing you just did. But in the BDSM world, what it refers to is... When you have a BDSM scene, and again, scene just means your encounter.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: could be sexual, not sexual. I mean, it's all s- sexual, yeah, you know, in a sense, but doesn't have to be actual sexual acts.
1: Intercourse.
0: Yeah. And because most scenes have some level of intensity, whether that be pain or emotional fear or maybe just pleasure Mm -hmm. but because there's a level of intensity there is a responsibility to the top i don't want to say dom because you don't have to be a dom but whoever's top in that scene there's a responsibility to take the bottom or bring the bottom back down in a way that's going to give them the most pleasure relieve the most pain build them back up replace whatever emotional thing they've lost. It, it it really depends. But really what it means is you've just taken the person through something intense, good or bad, and you don't abandon them abandon them as soon as you're done.
1: Now you can. It is a hundred percent okay to negotiate that in advance that of course you don't provide aftercare. And nobody's gonna look down on you for not doing that.
0: If it's mutual.
1: As long as it's negotiated in advance.
0: Right. And some people don't need it. Some people might not want it.
1: Right. Some people would rather be left alone to deal with their space returning back to whatever their normal is. Whether that be an emotional thing they have to process quietly in in a dark space or something. If it's that... You just need a cup of tea and a warm blanket. Like, some people need that, and that's all. There's also people
0: that don't need anything. They just pop up when they're done and get back to their day. Right. That happens. And that's all
1: within the realm of normal.
0: It is. But this is going to be specific to those people who want it or desire it or could benefit from it.
1: Now, the reason that it's necessary is... That when we are going through these experiences doing this thing that we do, a lot of brain chemicals get put out. Now, that's also true of vanilla sex. You get, you know, the love hormones and things that are making you feel really good. There's even hormones that are released that make your partner smell better during sex. So,
0: Well, let's start there because... There are different types of scenes. There are, like I said, there's there's times where there's pain. There's times when there's fear. There's times when there's emotional struggles.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There's all sorts of things, but there's also times when there's pleasure. Sure. Even if on the outside it doesn't look like that would give someone pleasure, the person receiving it may not be struggling emotionally or physically with any of it. It's pleasurable for them, which means for them that is their experience might not be that much different than a vanilla traditional couple who had a very romantic lovemaking session. It was a pleasurable, loving experience.
1: Or okay. a state of euphoria. A of
0: euphoria. And so the people would initially think, well, what do you need aftercare for there? Well, it it's not that you need it. And aftercare... The, the word aftercare doesn't seem to describe it, but I still count that as what the top can do to make the experience as good as possible for the bottom. Mm-hmm. And I call it aftercare, even though it's not really caregiving. It starts with, they're in a state of euphoria, a state of bliss, a state of pleasure. It starts with not taking them out of that. Allowing that to continue after the scene or sex Mm -hmm. is completed. Uh, It could be something as simple as not jumping out of bed to wash up. Or walking out of the room and getting a snack or getting on your phone. Mm -hmm. It means, in the vanilla world, just maybe cuddling. But in the BDSM world, it means possibly cuddling. (laughs) <laughs> it's the same or thing. a lot more. Well, okay. a lot more, right? I mean, it, but it starts with don't not taking them out of that state. Unless for some reason you have reason to not want them to feel that. But if you just did a scene where that's what they're feeling, it seems probable that you want them to experience that. Even just talking. People might be surprised because if you listen to this podcast, I talk a lot. But there are times... After we play, after a scene where I don't talk at all. Because <laughs> just merely talking can take you out of it.
1: It does, for real.
0: Dep- it depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. But sometimes just silence. Mm-hmm. Just holding. Just sitting next to.
1: Mm-hmm. It can be a great time to talk.
0: It, all, it It can
1: be a good time because you're in this state of relaxation and feeling really good. That you can have a nice... <clears throat> Conversation about what happened and assess some things about like what went well and that kind you of thing. Can, but but I... you might not even want to go there because.
0: Well, not immediately, because immediately it's not. In my experience, you don't usually want the person to have to start thinking. That might be the last thing they want to do at that moment. Well, they
1: might not even be capable of it. That's the key. For. About an hour after really intense play scenes, I don't even feel capable of driving. It's it's heady, almost like being drunk or coming down from a drug. It is very much a withdrawal because all those brain chemicals that were pumping so happily away during the scene are now stopped. So your body kind of goes through a bit of a shock.
0: Well, true. And... If that person is... If it's a good feeling, there are things you can do... Not just to allow them to keep feeling... But maybe keep stoking the fire. Just because the scene... Or just because the sex is over... Does not mean... That stroking your partner's hair... Isn't going to keep the state of bliss... Going even longer.
1: Mhm. Or at least make the... Drop more gradual.
0: The drop... Well that, that's mm-hmm. the same thing, right? Yeah. I mean... Again, it's almost like the cliche of the the husband coming and then rolling over and going to sleep. Mm-hmm. And the wife going, I'm not done yet. Mm-hmm. And the husband's response might be, but you, you orgasm twice. What do you mean you're not done? Well, the, she's not done because there's more to it than the orgasm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, again, that's, the, that's sex. BDSM scenes might not have that. But you have that same equivalent of of wanting to keep that feeling alive with love, Mm -hmm. physical sensation, holding your partner tight, being quiet.
1: And this can be done in a way that's not even romantic or sensual. No. It just depends on what you've negotiated with your partner. I have partners that I've played with that I do not have that kind of interaction with and they still provide aftercare and they make sure that they're present with me that if I need anything that they go and get a glass of water for me or whatever. That's
0: exactly what I was about to say next. Especially if you are a top or a dom, Mm -hmm. a master, Mm -hmm. you serving your partner after or, or in that place is a great way of, keeping the love hormones flowing Mm -hmm. because that might not be how you interact during the day in your ds dynamic
1: or there may not be a ds dynamic at all if it's
0: just a casual play partner right
1: so that that can still be applicable to that kind of partner arrangement then if that's you know if there's no sexual component to that
0: play so so this is just a, a really simple way of saying for the vanilla people is that just because you just because sex is done doesn't mean sex is done. Right. If your partner feels good, keep them feeling good.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And whether it be BDSM or vanilla, you can still keep the experience alive. And this is where I said, if, if, you, if you have selfish motives, if you want your wife to ha- have sex with you more, in a traditional my wife doesn't have sex as much as I want situation, The better you make the experience. The
1: more likely they're going to want to do it again. Yeah.
0: Of course. Mm -hmm. Of course. Why not?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Why wouldn't she? If the experience ends with you rolling over and going to sleep. And her going. But I wanted to cuddle. Well you've left a sour taste. No matter how much you think you rocked her world. Maybe you did. Mm -hmm. But you've left it with a. On a sour note.
1: Yeah.
0: I think that. There's another time, I, that a situation that I've been in, where I wanted aftercare when there was nothing negative that took place. In the past, when I had a partner and we would play and then she would play with other men, when we were done, I wanted an opportunity to reclaim her. Mm-hmm. Wasn't a DS dynamic, but I wanted to reclaim her heart,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it was important to me that she touch me and hold me, not in some way that would your traditional man might not want. I didn't expect her to put my head on or my head on her lap. Nothing wrong with that if you do, but it wasn't that. It was just hold my hand
2: mm-hmm.
0: and. When we were driving away from the swingers situation where we were at, I didn't want her to be on her phone for 15 minutes.
1: Well, and quality—I wanted uh, to... physical touch—is one of your love languages, so that completely makes sense. That yeah. that would be one of the reasons.
0: And I wanted that you her want attention. It. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I, I was okay with her feelings going towards another man,
2: mm-hmm.
0: or her physical going towards another man. But when we were done, I wanted it to come back to me. I didn't want it to go to Facebook. Right that was it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a lot to ask, but that was the type of aftercare she provided again. this was more a vanilla
1: well and relationship well it
0: wasn't a ds relationship, but it was still
1: I happen d- to know that words of affirmation are a secondary love language for you, so would the attention have been enough, or would it have been better to be like, oh manny, I'm so happy that we had that experience
0: i it would, was I want both yeah in that that scenario I had no problem sharing my partner with another person Mm -hmm. but in return i wanted something right that's it i mean it's not a lot Mm
2: -hmm. but
0: it's a type of aftercare and it was an aftercare where nobody was hurt i didn't need to be built back up because i was harmed or sad Mm -hmm. or felt rejected or anything there were no negative feelings we had we would have a good time i still needed that so there. So
1: well, and I think that that falls very much in line with what dominance and tops experience. Like in the scene, it's very common that you don't see doms that that even say that they want any aftercare. But I think it's more of a it's more common than gets talked about because you do need the reassurance that things went okay. That you just fuck this person up really bad and that they still care or they don't resent you or they don't hate you. And it's
0: not that they... It's, I don't think it's so much about not wanting aftercare. It's just it looks totally different.
1: Yeah, it's more emotional care, more reassurance, more of the... And it's very common in the scene to have, like, check-in appointments the day after or two days later to talk about more of the scene in depth, like detail wise about the the dynamic that happened or certain implements that were used or whatever kind of thing. Like I think that kind of aftercare, I mean that applies more to the aftercare from the top side.
0: Yeah. Well, let's do this. Let's, let's table the, the tops aftercare for a minute. Let's cover the different types of other aftercare. And then we'll we'll talk about where the, the the top might want it also.
1: Well, and I think that that's a good segue because where we're talking about the doms and the tops needing it, you know, the next day or a couple of days later, the submissive or the bottom, their needs are more immediate.
0: Because... That is okay. Almost always, that's the case, right? And again, it's going to look different for the. It's going to look totally different. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a, that you're at. Right, that is a good segue. So, speaking of immediate, what about aftercare after a scene? And now after we after we get away from the romantic oxytocin love, mm-hmm. then it's going to be more more specifically geared towards the BDSM world because these aren't going to apply as much to a vanilla world. Even a vanilla couple, if they're experiencing these other types, it means they were. Perf- performing or playing with some type of BDSM well not necessarily I mean we had
1: I had um a partner that we specific our specific love expression I guess we we hate fucked a lot and so there was like a lot of like I don't even call it makeup sex it was like we would argue and have like explosive times almost on purpose and, and then it was a trigger for for sex afterwards. And then we would have what I consider aftercare. It was a vanilla relationship, but
0: that's... Okay. So we'll, we'll use the word mostly. Mm-hmm. But another type of aftercare is uh, when you're doing a BDSM scene that involves pain. This is another type of immediate aftercare.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: This is where the bottom... experienced some level of physical pain, whether it's because they were restrained in some position for a long time, and that was uncomfortable. It was, whether it was impact play, whether it was any type of thing that causes pain, it could be needles, fire, it doesn't matter. Now, I don't want to talk about like pain for catharsis. I think that's going to get more into the emotional part. But just the physical session, and you can speak to this better than me, but a lot of times there's immediate aftercare needed when someone's been hurt.
1: Right, and the things to consider there are um, the type of pain that was experienced. So if it was a deep, thuddy pain, you might want to implement some kind of massage in the aftercare. um, Heat really good or ice sometimes if it's it was a deeper sensation that like was more into the muscle tissue there's also salve that you can use like arnica that would mm-hmm. help prevent bruising even just some good vitamin E oil rubbed into the skin it's a nice physical sensation to help bring the bottom back to what would be normal and then also condition the skin so that if there was any kind of um, abrasion or anything—it's going to help. The vitamin E would help e- heal. Uh, also, just the fact that that physical touch is continuing the the sensation or bringing back, like you were just in a state of fight or flight, like bringing you back to where your your body's realizing that you're in a safe space.
0: Well, also giving your body a chance to feel other sensations on other parts of your body,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so a, a distraction. Um, I am I am not a masochist, but I, I do know from my experience that certain types of pain in that moment, especially if it's a sexual moment, can drive. Or you can derive some sort of pleasure that when the scene's done and it's no longer in that context, you're like, "Oh, now it just hurts."
1: Yeah, it's also a good time to apply any any first aid that needs to be done if the skin was broken, if, if any blood has been shed to but, clean up that. And yeah, you
0: sterilize. want to massage areas that, mm-hmm. especially when with restraints, you want to bring the blood flow back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to help the person be in a, a different position again with restraints get them into a comfortable position because they may have had to hold a position for
1: right. And taking care to move those body parts slowly, especially if they were in a position for a prolonged period of time. Um, I've had uh, suspensions, rope suspensions, even partial rope suspensions where, you know, like your hip is kind of extended outward and then like moving it back into what would be the normal gait position is painful at first. So you have to move it slowly and the rope top should know, uh, to bring, if you've been inverted, you know, to bring you back upright very slowly. So the blood rushes, Mm -hmm. you know, don't happen and you don't end up with a passed out bottom. You also
0: want to, uh, look at temperature Mm -hmm. Um, it might not have felt that cold because of the adrenaline of the scene but when the adrenaline wears off all of a sudden it it might be chillier Mm -hmm. especially if you're really active the the top might keep the temperature down so they're not sweating but well no it's true
1: (laughs) no it's true um i i have uh i've had many times where the well, I have trouble regulating my temperature anyway, so I tend to be the coldest person in the room. But that's one of my things. Like, I have a big fuzzy blanket that I bring to the dungeon, mm-hmm. and and that is the very first thing that the tops that I play with know the the blanket goes on right away as soon as I'm on the floor or, or whatever. And uh, I, have, <laughs> I have one partner who specifically, as soon as I go to their place to play they say um, for me to adjust the temperature. So the te- that's one thing I get to control as the bottom because the naked girl gets to be happy.
0: Right. So <laughs> You also want to cater to any immediate needs they have the bottom as far as do they need a drink? Yeah. Do they need a snack? Do they need to use the bathroom? Um, if they're a smoker, they probably want a cigarette pretty quickly after the scene.
1: Well, and hydration's a big one. You want to make sure that you have electrolytes if needed, but just water. Is better than like soda or something like that.
0: Okay, so I'll, I'm going to disagree with you there. I, I'm going to say, whatever the bottom wants to drink, <laughs> if they want a soda, I think you, I don't think that's the time to correct their behavior.
1: It's not, but it's also, especially <laughs> if it's a caffeinated drink, it's not a good idea.
0: Okay, that's that's fair, um, but I think this is where you're catering to them. I mean, this is not the time to, I mean, you, look, you just you don't come first right now as a top Mm -hmm. unless you've negotiated. We always have to clarify, but seriously.
1: Yeah. Well, then I'm speaking to you bottoms, drink water (laughs) (laughs) and drink water before a scene. But yeah, so
0: take care of the person physically. Mm -hmm. And that is an immediate. Yeah. You know, you can go to the bathroom later. That person might be in pain now. And again, keep the thing you have to keep in mind is that, the level of pain that the bottom felt with the endorphins and the adrenaline and all these things flowing this they they tolerate a level of pain that when those chemicals wear off, it might go from good pain to the, that I don't like this type of pain as much, mm-hmm. and you got to bring them back down
2: mm-hmm.
0: you have to it doesn't mean it wasn't worth doing the experience you may have to go through some of that in order to get the endorphins and the, the pain you're looking for. Mm-hmm. But just be aware that they just went through something maybe really hard. right? And even though they might have endured it, it what appeared to be easy, that might not be easy now. So again, and, and also communication. Sometimes the bottom won't be able to speak or communicate well, especially with a pain scene. Mm-hmm. But you still want to communicate if possible
1: right or try to anticipate the needs as well as you can until they are verbal again um i know tops that won't like after if they know in advance that bottoms go uh, non-verbal they won't play with you um just because they don't want the responsibility of having to try to figure that out when they don't know you well enough or whatever but um have a written list if that's one of your issues, like if you know that you will be in a nonverbal spa- space, or that's a common thing for you when you have had traumas or fears in the past that maybe not even kink related, anticipate that. It is totally your responsibility as a bottom to be able to communicate regardless of your verbal or nonverbal state. So, having that list would be a good thing. Also, bringing the items, that might be a good thing. I have a bag that I take to the dungeon with me. Has all my uh, little first aid kit in it with my Arnica, and it has my blanket and a little sachet of tea, a bottle of water, you know, just the things, a little, so you're looking a little out sugar for you snack. I, I am prepared for what I could possibly need if I you know, and it might not need it every time, but I have those things on hand so that my top has access to it when when after care time is there.
0: Okay. All right, now the more challenging one. Mm-hmm. Both of those first two are pretty obvious. One is cuddle after you play, the second is take care of someone who's physically hurt. Mm-hmm. Like I mean those are almost simple. But the emotional one is a lot harder because everybody's different and we're talking about the person's psychology, which we're all so complex and we we can all be irrational and we can all be different from day to day. So there's not, there's not as much of a script for how you handle this as there is for some of the others. You know, if the person's cold, you bring them a blanket. Well, that's a pretty easy script. Well, when you say, well, the person was crying, there's not a Cookie cutter answer.
2: Right.
0: So, before, well, not before, as we talk about the emotion, let's go ahead and strip a specific emotion out of there that I think gets handled, handled a little bit differently than a lot of the emotions, which is fear.
2: Okay.
0: Um, because a lot of people, we, we did a whole podcast, a lot of people enjoy fear. They enjoy playing with fear. I think fear is a little bit of an easier script because the enjoyment comes from being scared. Partially, but then the aftercare can be the enjoyment and pleasure that comes from feeling safe again. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I mean, I don't know what greater joy there would be than the feeling of you were just held hostage in a bank for two and a half hours when they let you walk out the door and you're safe again. Like, that probably feels better than sex. I'm not a bottom. I haven't been through a scene like this, but, (laughs) but the idea of I was, I was scared to death and now I'm okay here. When you realize that your parachute opened, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: that, that is a feeling that I think would be the most (laughs) satisfying, pleasurable feeling in the world or one of the, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and that is what aftercare can be. The fear might take place throughout the entire scene, all the way to the end of the scene. But then you have this gift that you can give the person, which is bring them back to safe. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And that, again, I think that's a pretty easy script. Reassuring the person that they're safe. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Talking them through. Letting them know that, hey, you know, when I said this, you know that it's because I was trying to scare you. You know that I wouldn't do this because you already told me that was a hard no. So you know I wasn't going to do it even though I threatened you with it.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: You know I could tell that... You know that I wasn't going to let you pass out from lack of air. At no point was I ever going to let it get that far. Right? I mean, I would never actually cut you with the knife that I held up to you. But I know that you like knife play. Mm -hmm. But you don't like blood play. So that was never going to happen. Just simply reassuring a person...
1: That what uh, was negotiated is going to actually... Happen even if even you, even if a... you
0: even if you played with during the scene and, mm-hmm. and for the purpose of scaring them that they believed and you made them believe that you were going to disregard these because if you were going to keep within what you negotiated, there might not be as much room for fear there
2: mm-hmm.
0: now we talked to Devin about that, and Devin just off the top of his head rattled off all these different things that said, "Oh, no, you can do this, you can do that, so an experienced Dom can could play with fear without playing with negotiation but mm-hmm. It's a pretty easy one for even a new dom to do. Mm -hmm. Just simply play with that. Mm -hmm. So bringing the person back to safety is not just, hey, the scene's over. You're fine now. Yeah. You know, that's not the pleasure of their parachute opening. The parachute opening is your arms around them Mm -hmm. and reassuring them that they're okay. And that can cause an endorphin rush, a big one. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm saying this. Do you agree?
1: Yeah. Definitely. Um, Flipping the switch is part of the process. So when the fear and the adrenaline and everything's pumping, and then all of a sudden, hey, you're fine. Don't worry. I've got you. Even coming down from rope, like being upside down. There's a little bit of fear when you're, like, actually descending back upside down with your head going towards a concrete floor. Like, that's a fear play, whether it's intentional or not. Like, at any moment, I can be dropped on my head. And you know, having that hand underneath you and saying I've got you. You're, You're almost down. That's, like, boom. You can just Sore after that, like the parachute open, and I'm fine.
0: But it's it's something that's intentional. Mm-hmm. The person has to intentionally want to take you back to that space. Right. Again, you can negotiate that you don't do that. But right, we're talking about aftercare, which usually would mean those times that you did. Right. All right. Now the hard one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Emotional pain. Whether that be the person's been humiliated whether that means the person brought up past trauma whether you did a role play where the person did something they were ashamed of um, and it could be simply that the person does something that really really turned them on but as soon as they orgasm they're embarrassed by and the best way to describe that is as a top you've broken the person You've broken them into pieces and now you have the opportunity to, well, the aftercare means putting them back together and you have the opportunity to put them back together even a little better than they were before you broke them, if successful. That one's tough because that is, that involves understanding the person you're playing with. I mean, that's something that's a challenge to do with somebody. who's Someone, someone who's new. Somebody who walks up and says, Hey, I want to do this thing where I feel this way. I mean, any dom could take a person to a place where they're they're feeling emotionally triggered. But building them back up, I think is a lot more hit or miss without the experience of knowing the person. I mean, would you agree?
1: Well, and that's why when you're starting off with a new partner, the negotiations are so important first and foremost, but also like you don't set out right away to push boundaries and try to to play in the darkest places unless you are so secure and trusting in that other person. Like you have to to learn their body language and you have to learn their emotional state and you know some maybe some of their history in order to handle those things really really well.
0: And you have to know what the person wants and and why. Mm-hmm. You know the first time, I don't maybe it wasn't the first time, but one of the first times I ever saw someone go through something traumatizing
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I wasn't there to see the aftercare the way this took place, but now that I the more I know about how these things work, I have a pretty good idea what probably took place. So, not saying I do, but mm-hmm. I suspect this is probably what happened. It was, it was at a convention,
2: uh-huh.
0: and there was a, um, someone did a seminar on anal fisting, and it was a woman who gave the seminar, and she had a couple of of tw- I was about to say twinks they're but a couple young boys. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, young boys means like they were 18 or 19 years old, or if they were 23, they looked young.
1: They looked 18, right? And they, yeah. were,
0: they were, I mean, they were they were thin, they were dressed as Boy Scouts,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and they were, I, I'm pretty sure, her property. Mm-hmm. She came in, she led them in, they belonged to her, and she brought one of them up on a table in front of a room full of people to demonstrate mm-hmm. and I was new to the the community, so this was like like this blew my mind that this actually happened, that I got to watch something like this
2: mm-hmm.
0: so she's she's giving a her talk her class is about anal fisting, and she's talking about it, and she's talking about the safety and the cleanliness and you know the, the whatever just it's a class right, but while she's doing this, she's slowly inserting larger and larger toys into his rectum and And, uh, at one point she put in a glass toy where you could actually see the glass toy. And actually my partner, my, uh, at the time my girlfriend went up there and actually like looked, looked in there and I mean, it was a novelty, Mm -hmm. but she was building him up and she was demonstrating this and he was on his hands and his knees and he looked totally into it,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: totally enjoying himself while she's doing this. And so she works it up. And she, she builds up to the crescendo of the, um, of the class where she's inserting a finger, a second, a third, a fourth finger, hands going, her hands going in a little bit more, hands going a little bit more. And when her hand finally went past that point that qualifies as fisting into his ass, the second it happened, he reached down, jerked himself off, came all over the place. And they got this panic, looked on his face and looked at everybody with just pure humiliation and just started crying and pulled up his pants and ran out of the room. And I was like, wow, I didn't expect that. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And then she just went on to finish the class. She was not surprised by that reaction. Mm -hmm. And what I would suspect happened, what I would predict, is that she probably has spent a lot of time building him up after that that you're okay, you're healthy, there's nothing wrong with you, there's nothing to be ashamed of, you are who you are, and and built him up as a person, while simultaneously, when he wants to participate in this thing that turns him on, she'll bring him back to a place of shame, and and where he is a sissy boy, and she is going to bring him up, and she now I'm going to humiliate you in front of people, because he was aroused by the humiliation.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: But the minute it was done everything changed and he went, what the fuck did I just do? But clearly he'd done this many times and right. she was not surprised by it.
2: Mm-hmm. She
0: didn't even react. Right. And so I suspect that it was a combination of taking him to a place of deep humiliation. It's what got him off.
2: Right.
0: And then probably building him back up. Now I didn't see the building back up part but I, I actually have since talked to this person and she's a loving caring person, so I suspect she she cared for him and mm-hmm. didn't want him to go through his life feeling humiliated and, and shame right only when he wanted to to come
1: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, does that sound about right?
1: Yeah, and that's part of the benefits of this lifestyle is that you can take those things that are a trigger for you for whatever reason and overcome them.
0: But she had to know him to do it. Mm-hmm. And so this is where when you have a partner and you bring him through something emotional. It's a very delicate thing. I mean as as delicate as the physical pain and the restraining is. It's every bit as much delicate when you're playing with someone's mind.
1: Well and the best way to start with that is just to listen. And that's probably cliche but you
0: Mm-mm. just. It's not cliche. It's everything. Just
1: be present and let them process
0: and ask them one of the things during this part of the aftercare which again doesn't have to happen immediately afterwards Mm -hmm. you take someone through something emotional they may just need to put their head on your chest and cry
2: yeah they they
0: may not be done crying and when they're done crying they may not it might not be the right time to talk i mean this has to be your gauge because everyone's different but sometimes you want to just let them relax Mm -hmm. but I don't think that, that it's responsible to never have that conversation with them.
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: you do want to talk to them about what was going on, and it's about listening, but in order to listen, the person has to speak, and the person not might not be willing to speak.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So you're listening, but to start the listening process, it, you're going to ask questions. Why did that make you feel that way? Mm-hmm. What were you thinking when that happened? It's okay to not accept an answer and dig deeper. Like, why, why did, why were you crying? I don't know. I was just sad because of, you know, my dad. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: That's not an answer.
2: Right.
0: Why did thinking about your dad make you cry? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Why did, you know, dig? I think it's even okay to not accept an answer if the answer doesn't feel like the person's open, mm-hmm. you can call them on it. But you, I mean, you, we're you do it with your arm around them while you're kissing their forehead and you're loving them. I'm not telling you specifically to do that, but mm-hmm. metaphorically, you're loving and caring and speaking softly. But it, at the same time, it's okay to question them because your job is to pull that out of them,
2: uh-huh.
0: and. Without that, you're not building them back up. At at best, you're putting them back together by allowing the pieces to come back together. But you're not putting them back together better.
2: Right.
0: So you're asking questions and you're learning and you're filing away the information because you can use that information the next time you do a scene like that. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Once you know what triggers there are, you can decide that you do those triggers because you're trying to get a person to release Or you could decide, I'm not going there because I don't want to take a person to that place of pain. Both are acceptable. Mm -hmm. But you you weren't able to do it without the information. And you may not get the information while you're driving to the store. You get the information at that point of vulnerability that may happen just after a really intense experience. Especially if the person, the bottom is feeling a closeness to you and a love towards you that there's a good chance it is more intense at that moment than any other time in the relationship.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Even if you went through something that was painful or traumatizing, you know, there could be a little bit of Stockholm syndrome there. There could be you're connecting to your captor, you're connecting to your sadist. Well, why would you connect to someone that just hurt you? Well, I'm not smart enough to answer that. I just know it happens. It can happen. Mm-hmm. And when you have that connection, that's a really good time to to get into the person's head and explore It doesn't mean you have to fix them or cure them at that moment right just, yeah. especially
1: it, the first couple of times like just being able to provide a safe space for them to get that stuff off their chest or release the emotion is so healing
0: it is, and also don't don't try to know more than you do. It's okay, even if you don't verbalize it this, at the time, it's okay in your mind to not know how to handle a situation. Mm-hmm. The bottom might have gone to a place, and you don't have to be the expert who says, oh, well, if you were thinking about your dad, well, then, well, then we need to talk about this, or it needs to go that direction. It's okay to say to yourself, I don't know how to handle this. Mm-hmm. Let's table this, and let me see what more i can learn or maybe next time or the time after or a year from now we will dig to a place and i'll understand the person enough that i can do something to heal them but i don't have enough information right now just because they said i'm sad cuz my dad left me that doesn't mean you know the right thing to say at that moment
2: right
0: it, in fact you may say the wrong thing by simply saying what you think is right that every other person has told them that that just frustrates them cuz all those other people don't understand when they say, "I know how you feel." I don't know; I'm making stuff up. But
1: mm-hmm. you, yeah, it's not the time to play armchair to... therapist.
0: There, thank you for yeah. You know, I mean, it took me three minutes. <laughs> that, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, but the responsibility is you don't have to be an expert. I mean, no. you're not an expert at someone the first time you play with them by any means. Mm-hmm. So,
1: well, and you and, never will be. It's a matter of the. This is all exploration that's continual, and every time is another layer and then another brick that gets put back into a different place like it's just like as individuals we're all continually changing and evolving, and it's never gonna be the same every time, so you you have to be flexible in that too that you just do what's best at that moment. Even if it's just being there and being quiet or
0: I think reassuring. sometimes it's just important to mm-hmm. have done something. Yeah. Just the fact that you didn't get up and leave the room and you put your arm around them and held them. Even if you didn't say any of the right things that they were hoping you would say. The fact that you were there means they know that you were there for them. They know that you tried. They know that you cared. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't the right answer, so what? Right. Whereas if you just get up and walk out of the room, and they question whether or not you cared or whether or not what you went through mattered to them, it's it's a valid thought.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It just is. So yeah. it's delicate dealing with the emotion. Oh, let me add one more thing. Because it's so tricky to build the person back up and put the pieces back together and do the aftercare. You should also consider that before you decide to engage in the emotional stuff to begin with.
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. So
0: tiptoe through that and then when you get into the emotional side of this, tread lightly. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Do something where you you are able to handle the aftercare portion of it. Don't take someone into such deep water that now you're like, what the hell do I do? Mm -hmm. that's not responsible so that's almost like what the word kink buffet means is that it's a buffet you don't have to eat and gorge yourself today Mm -hmm. you can go back the next time to Mm -hmm. get
1: more exactly
0: all right so now we talked about briefly what about the top no one ever talks about the top needing aftercare Mm -hmm. because it looks different right the top Typically isn't going to tie up the submissive. Beat them, beat their ass with a cane until it's purple. And then as soon as they're done, need to put their head on the bottom's lap and have the bottom pet them and reassure them while they cry. (laughs) It's just that's I'm not saying that's never happened.
1: They might need splinters removed from their fingers yeah though. i've had to do that because really? <laughs> i tend to break toys
0: or you know, they break yeah. toys on me
1: rather so i,
0: I broke a toy on you <laughs> like two days ago right uh-huh. i didn't get splinters now so it doesn't get talked about as much
2: mm-hmm.
0: about the top needing to after to and for partially because some tops don't right very common that, that they don't but it is Possible that they need it's just like I said, it looks different. I think one of the big ones for me is because I care about you,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and because I'm doing something to you that I know that even though I objectively know that this turns you on, or that you're gonna get some healing out of it, or you're gonna get pleasure, and it's what you fantasize about. Never mind the fact that if I wasn't giving you this, you wouldn't be with me, you wouldn't. You're only with me because this is something that I can do for you. Even though I objectively know all those things. It doesn't change the fact that I just did something to somebody I love where they cried or they screamed.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And the fear that I'm doing something that's going to cause you to resent me or not love me,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: want to leave me. Has been there. I mean, it's it's not so much now. I mean, this isn't really something that I need now. I don't ask you for reassurance But you do anymore. when when well,
1: we've gone a little bit further. Okay. Or we for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: When we've when we've gone harder. Mm-hmm. So yeah, occasionally it comes up, but to me it's just reassurance. Yeah. I want to, I want to be reassured that that was something that you wanted, or if I did something that went farther than you wanted. I want reassurance that you know that I wasn't disregarding you, but rather I was trying to push because you want to be pushed. And I'm trying to find a line because the closer we get to the line, the more pleasure you feel. And in order to do that, I will inadvertently go past that line sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't find the line without accidentally going past it sometimes. It's impossible. So rationally, I know that's okay, but I still want reassurance when that happens that you know that my motives were ultimately your happiness, your pleasure, your healing.
1: Yeah, it's akin to walking through your house with the lights off. Like, you kind of know where all the furniture is, but you're occasionally going to bump into it because your sense of where that stuff is is a little bit off, so you're going to stub your toe. And so when that happens, like, you're like, okay, I hit the line. Was that okay? Or, you know, I know it hurt a little bit more than it should have, but is it something that we're still okay with? Or should we not go near that again? And that also applies to vanilla people. Like when you're having intercourse with somebody, like, did you like the way I touched you in that place? What other er- erogenous zones would you like me to touch? These are valid things that people don't do.
0: And that's that can all be part of aftercare. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call that aftercare. That to me just seems like healthy communication to learn what your partner likes and doesn't like. But, but having said that, that... It does, there is, you know, it's a Venn diagram, right? Mm-hmm. It does overlap with aftercare because within aftercare that can also take place.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Did you like that? Was it too far? Was it too hard? Mm-hmm. Would you like me to do more? What could I do differently? Mm-hmm. That's, that. so yeah, there's definitely an overlap. It's, mm-hmm. it's communication.
1: And telling the other partner, you did it well. I enjoyed it. I really like it when you do that thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something that your partner may or may not need. I would say if you're a vanilla couple
1: mm-hmm.
0: and this is new, whichever one of you is topping, I think aftercare for the top should almost be mandatory at first. If it's new to them, I mean, you've been married for 11 years and your wife's all of a sudden whipping your ass mm-hmm. and you're screaming. Like, that's a mind fuck. Mm -hmm. if that's new to them they might have had the best time ever but only because you've let them know that that you got off on it
2: right
0: so i think a lot of this is really just falls into that same broad category of what are your goals with your that sexual expression Mm
2: -hmm.
0: for you what are your goals for your partner what are you like? What are you trying to achieve? What are you trying to accomplish? What do you want to happen? And then you just communicate and learn which things are necessary to achieve those goals. If I have to do, if I'm in a vanilla relationship and I need to do this thing to turn you on enough to have an orgasm, that's no different than when we do a heavy BDSM BDSM, BDSM scene. Mm-hmm. That I need to do this thing afterwards. To bring you back to a place where you are happy, right? It's still just a need that's necessary for the goal. My goal is to make you happy. I need to do this to make you happy. If I don't, you won't be as happy. Duh! I'll just do it. Mm-hmm. So it'll vary from person to person. You have to communicate. Uh, we've talked about this a lot. It can be harder for bottoms or harder for submissives to communicate what they want and need. By their nature, they may not, that might not be their natural state. But I still would encourage every submissive to to try to find their voice.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, uh,
0: One of the things that a submissive who has a hard time expressing these things needs to know is, you're not being asked to express these things every single time you play for the rest of your life. Cause that's not the role you want to take on. It's you put in the work early mm-hmm. to communicate these things. You have a good Dom. You will get to let go because the Dom will know that, Oh, this is what I need to do. This is what the person wants. But communicating that at the beginning is important. And then on the flip side, a Dom needs to understand that the submissive might have a difficult time And you might have to drag the communication out of them. Right. And,
1: And anybody who tells you that you're not allowed to have an opinion is an asshole. So, run.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Unless you've negotiated that you're not allowed an opinion. But, yeah, you're... You should...
1: You should still have an opinion that you don't have an opinion.
0: Right. You still get to decide (laughs) that. You still get to decide that. So, there's a responsibility on both sides. And it's a dance. Yep. You need both people in the dance, both partners to dance well and do their roles for that to be a beautiful dance. Mm -hmm. If only one person does their role, it's a bit of a struggle. If neither person does it, it's a train wreck. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I think, I mean, this is... I think we covered most of it, right?
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, the general categories, I mean... Everything's individual and there's always overlap. You can have fear and then and romance together and you can have pain and catharsis mm-hmm. together. But generally I think, I think we got the basics down.
1: Well, if you have any aftercare needs that we didn't discuss, we'd love to hear from you. Any of our listeners that would like to connect with us, our social media contacts are on kinkbuffet.com or you can send us an email at kinkbuffet at gmail dot com.
0: Shoot us questions. Tell us where we're wrong. If, if if I got it wrong, I want to hear from you. That's how I learn. That's how I evolve. Feel free.
1: Yep. Until next time. Bye.